You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to a bonus edition of the Attacking Scrum podcast. In this episode, we interview a guy called Ben Pegner, who is a consultant coach. So he goes into clubs and works with them for a short period of time to, to help out with uh, specific elements of coaching. So we were really, really keen to have a chat with him, uh, not least because his career has kind of taken him all around the world, really. He's just got back from a stint with the Melbourne Rebels in Australia, previously has been out in, um, in South Africa too, and also back in his playing days, uh, played for Kafili. So we really enjoyed having a chat about what it was like uh, playing back in the day and <laughs> some of those tough grounds. You turn up on a, a wet, windy afternoon and the likes of you know, Eugene Cross Park and Rodney Parade and all these fantastic places. So we're really good, uh, really good reminisce about his playing days in Wales and some fantastic anecdotes about living with Tom Shanklin, coaching with Jose Mourinho uh, and even lining up, uh, lining up in the back row opposite Opposite JPR Williams when he was uh, when he was about fifty five. So yeah, really really interesting to chat about all of those things. And also with him being such a coaching expert, we were keen to get a preview ahead of the the Wales Australia game. Now when we did this, it was prior to the team announcement, so we didn't know exactly who was going to be playing on each sides, and which obviously we. We do now by the time this has been published, uh, but at the same time, it's still really, really interesting to get Ben's take on on Australia and Wales and kind of where the, the relative strengths and weaknesses are. So I hope you enjoy it. If you do, please leave us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it. And uh, yeah, make sure you let us know what you think on Twitter at Attacking Scrum or uh, join Facebook as well. And finally, big thanks to our sponsors, as always, at So Coffee Trades. Make sure you get your hands on uh, some fantastic Christmas gifts over at socoffeetrades.co.uk, which uh, yeah, perfect for any coffee-loving members of your family. Uh, but in the meantime, sit back, make yourself a cup of coffee, and enjoy the Attacking Scrums chat with Ben Pegner. Hope you enjoy
Welcome to the Attacking Scrum podcast and another interesting guest this week uh, joins us. Delight to say Ben Pegner's with us. How are you doing, Ben? Hey, good. Nice to be here. Thank you. And of course, Dan Killick's with us on the less interesting side as well. Cheers, Jed. Yeah, you are, you are welcome. So, Ben, you've, uh, of course, uh, you play yourself and played at the likes of Sarri's, uh, London Scottish, and you've played kind of all around the world, really, South Africa, New Zealand, coached at Wasps and, uh, and Oxford University. So a career that's taken you some very interesting, colourful places, yeah. but arguably none more interesting and colourful than Kafili. Yeah. How did uh, how did you end up, how did you end up Green there? Army? <laughs> yeah, we uh, I, w- I was studying in Wales, so I was studying in Cardiff, and um, yeah, it was uh, Don Thrillen who had been coaching. At, he was a former player at Cardiff, and he was coaching it. He, he went to UIC, and then he was I think headed up the sports science department, and then um, he I was at Cardiff Uni, and he came through and helped us f- for a year, and uh, yeah, he just asked me, you know. A month into the season, if I wanted to come up and play, you know, see if I could come and play for Kafili. So, took myself off into you know for pre-season and yeah, loved it. Yeah, yes, I was fell in love. I was yeah, I was it was a dream. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, I loved it. I had a great time. Really, really one of the when I think of the, one of the highlights playing. I, I think yeah, I've said in the past playing there was really, really, really good. I just. I didn't speak to any of the boys for the first three months. <laughs> didn't say I was English and a student, and so I just, like, I just kept quiet. Yeah, it, avo- avoid, quiet, the initi- yeah. avoid the initiations. Yeah, with no, that, well, with no, that. I was more worried about just like, yeah, you know, back in those days, you could get away with a lot more on the fields, couldn't you? So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I remember about three months into the season, I suddenly said something, and one of the boys just said, hey, he speaks! <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was good. Yeah, amazing time, great people. Who were some of the players that uh, that were there then? Yeah, uh, you know what? There's some. Um, there were some really, really good players. Uh, I hadn't appreciated probably how good mm. they were when I went up there, which was probably a good thing because I would have probably been a bit intimidated. No, yeah. when I was there, they signed the names. A few names like Justin Thomas came back. Yeah, like, and, yeah. Uh, a couple of boys like that came back after I left. But uh, Christian Ferris, he he'd been the hooker at Bridgend, and he's a Kafili oh, yeah. boy, and they brought him back. And I, I, I don't know if he got capped in the end. I know he was in training squads for Wales, but mm. he was. He was probably one of the best players. I think when you see those lists of the best players not to get capped, yeah, he's yeah, yeah. always in and around it, you know. And the other one that was, it was Brett Davy. Oh yeah, you know. So Brett, I remember our first game, my first game. Yeah, Ponty as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so Brett, yeah, he went from Kafili uh, to Ponty and became, you know, he played. I don't know how he didn't get capped. Yeah. Did he get one? I think, I think he did get. I think if he, he did, did, it was on like a, a Romania or something, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, like in North Wales or some one of those one, one games. But he, he should have been. He was. Brilliant player. He was the first guy I saw wearing different coloured boots. <laughs> he had blue boots, you know. And you have to be good. You've got to be good. You've got to be good turning up yeah. in, uh, in Ponty wearing coloured boots. Yeah, but I, my first game, well, first league game, because I, I went in the season 97-98 when um, when we got relegated from the, the so the boys have been relegated from from the top division mm. down to Division One, you know, and. Uh, and so we were trying to bounce straight back up, which we managed to do. I think we went unbeaten at home and I think like maybe lost one game away or something like that that year, which was phenomenal. The guys were, you know, everybody was awesome. Um, but I remember we had first game, uh, you know, it was a real big day for me. It was a hot day. It was August the 12th against Romney at home. And I, I was, you know, I was an open side and I was playing against Glenn George. He was, he played, got a couple of caps for Wales, formerly of Newport, you know, like a good, good player. God. And we knew it was going to, they'd also signed like... Um, was it Ben Atkins at number yeah. eight who'd been at Newport as well? So they had some good boys up against us, and I knew it was going to, you know, be a tough game for me. And so it kicked off, you know, loads of times. <laughs> it was one of those games where yeah. it just, 
you know when they nowadays the re- you know the referee would have to send somebody off like, yeah. early doors yeah, to get eyes, control eyes in the back of your head yeah, for yeah, those, just those kicked days. off yeah it just kicked <laughs> off but I remember um, yeah Christian Ferris had a blinder that day and and, and Roger bid good in the centre he played for Wales a couple of times he was he was a great player and a really good boy as well and uh, and I remember coming off and we we we, we smashed them really good day and. Uh, you look around and Brett scored like something like 42 points, I think it was. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, he's just like, he's unbelievable. You, know, you, keep, he, you keep those kind of boots Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, You can do whatever you want with those boots. Yeah, yeah. wear pink ones. And what are your memories of playing some of those, uh, you know, I guess some of those those colourful traditional Welsh grounds? You know, you think of the, yeah. the, the Sardis Roads and the Rodney Parades and Eugene Cross and all these kind of yeah, places. Yeah, awesome, awesome experience. You know, um, so I didn't play, I played at the beginning of the season and then I got injured and... Uh, a guy had been away, the, the guy that started at seven, who'd been the starting number seven before, was the incumbent, a guy called Chris Brown, a uh, good player, solid player, and he got he got back in the team. He'd been away for like holiday or something that he'd booked and he was, you know, and we'd won, but then he came back in the team and then he was pretty much ever present the rest of the year. So I had I was a bit a bit part player and came off the bench and things like that. But we had really good midweek fixtures then. Mm. So we played against like Bath, United, Cardiff a couple of times, Ebervale. Ponty up in Sardis and we had some really good games yeah and, and so for me that was it's actually missing now I think but we had a really competitive you know those games and those boys that you'd be playing against you know we went up to uh, you know, you're saying Eugene Cross and you'd be the back row was Kingsley Jones your other team yeah. was Kingsley Jones Dyson at nine uh, Byron Hayward at ten you know like some real good yeah. boys Josh Tamalola was at, at uh, 15 I think uh Tolupe's dad was playing in the second row. Yeah, yeah. Cooley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. yeah, real good outfit then. Yeah, so they were really challenging. Richie Collins was on the other flank sometimes. The Globe Trotter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You still so, love Richie Collins. So for me, it was awesome. They go, I remember going to Ponty playing at night, and again, the same thing happened. They they hadn't had a game at the weekend, and then they just put everybody in, you know. So at that stage, a guy called Andre Barnard was playing at 10, but everybody, it was still Lewis. It was. Uh, Andre Barnard, South African, hard man. Yeah, he wasn't a massive, but he was good, but I mean, you had Stella Lewis, you know, and you yeah. had you had all those boys, and just going up to Sardis was awesome. Sardis then, you know, it was like yeah, House of Pain. It was just, yeah. it, you know, it was it was awesome. It was just up the road for us, so we used to, you know, a lot of the boys had been up there or played there or or um, had connections there and played age group stuff with some of the boys. So it was always good fun afterwards as well. So. Out of those grounds, then, which was the most sort of the most feared? Was there one that you went to and you thought, bloody hell, we're in, we're in for a, we're in for a battle, or maybe it was all I, of them. Yeah, well, you know there were a lot of dark corners in those grounds. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> on those, on those, on those grounds, you know, and anything, yeah, yeah, it's right, you know, anything would go. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it was more the people, I guess, you were playing against because uh, I remember playing against Ebervale and they had Kingsley at six, at seven, Richie at six, Richie Collins at six, and was it Mark Jones? Was it Mark? Who, who, Mark. Was, who was it? Who was it? Hey, it was a yeah. Most probably he, was Mark Jones. He'd got it? a couple of caps. He was a big lump, you know, and he was he was Pop just a hard man. Yeah, he was hard. I think he actually might have done a bit of time, Mark Jones. He was he was a real hard boy, and he, he, I was pretty scared about. Going. Yeah. Well, you're a bit intimidated, you know. But I don't know. I was just excited about playing at all those places, and they weren't, you know, they weren't massive pressure games. So it was it was excitement in terms of like good fun and places yeah, to yeah. go. It was probably up Cardiff because suddenly you're playing. Yeah. you know, there for the first time or whatever it was, you know, for me. And I've been lucky to play there a few times, but it that was awesome because I was just, you know, you go there and you've got 
proper, you know, everything's amazing. Just the history, yeah. you can feel it, can't you? And you just, you know, you don't care if there's a two man and his dog watching. <laughs> it's just awesome. Actually, the strangest one, strange, strangest one, was um, going to Tondi, and and we're playing Tondi on a, like I think it was a Tuesday yeah. Tuesday night. And so like we've got these fixtures throughout, the, you know, and you're looking forward to the the big games at the weekend because you want to be playing. And we're doing, we're having a run, and we're top of the table, trying to get bounced back up. So you play against Tondi away. And I remember standing at the back of the line out, and I, I look across, and the fruit is, it was weird. I look across, and this old guy is standing next to me, and it's JPR Williams. And I'm like, what, what are you doing? You're about like 55 now. He's, he's the coach, Tondi, and he's just brought himself on because yeah. he just likes... And the first thing he does is like just trying to hit people, like just like physically yeah. get stuck in. He just loved it. And I'm, I remember thinking... I, you think of obscure things, don't you, sometimes? I'm thinking... I'm sure you're a surgeon. Like, <laughs> should you be a bit more careful with your hands? You know, you're like, yeah. so that was one of the weirdest ones. You know, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I, I had a feeling when, as soon as you mentioned Tondi, I thought, oh god, I just have a feeling the punchline of this might be it was JPR. Yeah, well, I was like yeah. pinching myself. You know, <laughs> yeah. it was just like this. Led you to sort of one of those ones where you want to get an autograph type thing. But or today, if you if, if I'd had a mobile back then, I'd yeah, be it's like, a selfie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. selfie yeah. and Instagramming it. But, he so late, didn't he? So who got, who got the who had the upper hand that day? Against against yeah. Tony, he only came on. Uh, we won, yeah, yeah, we won. I think that day, yeah. But uh, he didn't. He didn't. He just had a little run around. Funny, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. And uh, yeah, you obviously come across a lot of characters uh, during that time. No doubt, a few of them that you've already mentioned. Uh, Dan mentioned something off air. Did you play with Aaron Wainwright's dad? Is this is this right? Yeah, I, I th- I've been trying to find out if if it if Aaron. Because obviously, I'm aware of Aaron Wainwright now. Yeah. And how well, he's been doing, you know, and. And I remember, well, I played with Adrian Wainwright, and he was a good back rower, a strong back rower, quite eccentric type of guy. Mm. wasn't really a big rugby fan, you know. Real, um, he'd been played age group for Wales at prop, but was just freakishly strong. And mm. Don Cleland had a really good network and was good at sort of had an eye for talent. And so he'd gone and found Adrian Wainwright and um, persuaded him to come out of retirement. So yeah, or like I think he'd retired. Like he'd got fed up or disillusioned with the game. Invited him back and just come training. And yeah, so anyway, he Adrian that year. I remember he did have uh, he had a son, and uh, he's a massive. Or he was. I don't know now. I haven't seen him for years. He's a massive Elvis fan, and I think I think the story was that like. I, either Aaron Wainwright's middle name is Elvis, I think, if it is the same, if he is, if he is related to Adrian Wainwright, or Elvis's middle name is Aaron, and I think Adrian was right. like trying to persuade his his wife, like, we've got to call That's him Elvis. I think, I think Elvis's middle name is Aaron, yeah. actually. I yeah, think we, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it was yeah. like, we've got to call him Elvis, and, and I think his wife's like, put her foot down. <laughs> no. And so he's like, okay, well, we're definitely calling him Aaron then, you know? So yeah. I, I'm pretty sure his name's Aaron Elvis Wainwright. Yeah, yeah. That's but amazing. We'll, have, just, to, we'll you, have to find yeah, that one out. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to check. Yeah, yeah. ask some. We, uh, we will. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll try and go direct to the source on that one. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> and uh, obviously you've, um, you've done lots of coaching in your career as well. Tell us yeah. what uh, tell us what it is you're, that you're up to now. Yeah, I just got back from Melbourne, actually. So uh, the last couple of years, I've sort of uh, I love coaching. I was mm. was coaching everywhere when I was playing. So I was I was a limited player. You know, I always had to think a lot about the game and was always trying to improve myself and analyse the game. I just loved it. You know, I was a bit of a, a bit of a rugby nose. You know, always have <laughs> been. So so always coaching everywhere I went. So it was a sort of a natural progression to go into the coaching when I when I stopped playing. Um, and done that in a few places. Uh, most recently, been helping the Melbourne Rebels out there for a couple of weeks. Um, just got back recently, so 
Um, last season, I did a bit in South Africa yeah. um, with with another Super Rugby team. Just uh, again, just sort of helping in a few different areas of the game around decision making, skill acquisition, how they um, create a training environment where you know how you design practice so that you're getting the best out of the guys. And um, yeah, it's, it's sort of a journey I've 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 uh, I've walked the last five or six years. You know, we we evolve. I think when you finish playing, you're quite a technical coach. You you want you know there's stuff you know about the game, and I've. Played on, I've been fortunate to play under some really, really good coaches. And I guess when you finish playing, you, you might have picked up something from, I don't know, Sean Edwards mm. or something from this guy and from, from Francois Pino or something. And you, and you have your bits, but then you go on that journey and you evolve and you, and you go more towards art, art than science, you know. And then you maybe come full circle and you merge the two or you vary what you're using, you know. So the last five years, I've been lucky to spend a lot of time in France with Pierre Volpre, the former French player and, and coach. And he's yeah. sort of the father of... He was the, the head coach of Toulouse when they won in the 80s and then the French coach when they beat the All Blacks in the 99 World Cup at Twickenham and then he was in Italy and Wayne Smith, who I think is probably the best coach yeah. in the world, um, he names Bill Pereira as sort of his biggest influence. So Wayne Smith wow. went to Italy yeah, and he finished playing in Italy and when he was there, he got to know Pierre and had a, Pierre had a big influence. So Pierre's got this whole global approach, which is sort of where I've gone now and um, funny enough, it's this tactical periodization that Eddie Jones uses, that model that's come from football originally, mm. from uh, a Portuguese sports scientist called uh, Victor Freida, who, uh, you know, he, he was the father of it um, in, in modern soccer, anyway, modern football, and Mourinho uses his methodology. So anyway, so, so Ville Pro was doing that 40, about 40 years ago for Toulouse, um, and then with France, and then in Italy. And, uh, and the guys are using that now, that sort of model, that global approach in, in tactical periodization. So it's, it's amazing how it's, you know, you think how much the game has changed. It's amazing that that model can, you know, there's obviously some fundamentals to it that just still yeah. will bear true whatever kind of era the game is yeah, it's, taking place. You know, it's such a simple game and we overcomplicate it. And I think as coaches, we, 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 we're really good at that. I don't know if yeah. it's because we want to try and protect ourselves from like anybody's taking our jobs and we're going to create jargon to sort of like <laughs> cover up what we don't know or you know we're, it's a simple game you know and I think it, basically it's gone full circle that and they call it in a, you know backyard games if you and teaching games for understanding is the is the sort of the, the science you know that it's been called and that overlaps with modern skill acquisition theory now that teaching games for understanding skill acquisition theory this global approach well, basically it's really quite simple and it's just this integrated way of letting people learn from the game and creating and facilitating environments where where the coach is actually just that facilitator and it's less um, tell and more empower and mm. more share and, and, and you're really trying to pull the best out of people because if you throw a ball some kids in the back garden they'll come up with the best game they'll make you know jumpers for goalposts yeah. and they'll come out with rules they'll they'll integrate everybody they'll all learn and you know you know they they really do that well and too often we break it down into its parts and then try and put it back together and it just looks like it's parts yeah. <laughs> you know it looks broken so would, would you say from your time spent in the different areas there's certain countries that you know sort of concentrate more on it being really structured then as opposed to maybe free flowing a little bit like you were saying there yeah, I mean, I think so. I think the French, in, in parts, they still try and embrace this this sort of methodology, the, the, that sort of Ville approach where you're, you're playing a game, you're using the ball, everybody's involved, 
you know, and, and it's just how you use the ball. You'll 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 tweak it so that everybody will will touch the ball. Everybody has touches, so you won't go and just do a drill because too often when we go and get a drill, it doesn't represent the game. You know, mm. it doesn't look like the game. Um, there's too many external factors that aren't relevant to the game, or you know, the different constraints that are used um, are, are not reflective of what the player's gonna. You, you know, you might I might teach you how to pass, so I'm teaching you the technical, but I'm not teaching you why. Or when, yeah. you know, without putting you in the environment of the game, you wouldn't have known why or when. So suddenly, when you get to a game and you're under pressure, you you don't know how to execute necessarily because you've not learned in the context of the why and when. And I think countries that play a lot of games, they they do brilliantly. You know, so you look at I don't know Richie McCall. He probably played touch three or I think it was full contact three times a day at school. You know, in the, in, the, in 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 Canterbury or whatever. You know, in the, in, the, in on the South Island. And he's, you know, and he's played with bigger kids, and they play, and they've just played loads of games. You yeah. know, and how we have a kick around in Britain, you know, most mostly in, in, with football, it'll be the same with him, I think. You know, with rugby. So I think those New Zealand, they're playing. You know, you, you know, you look at all these kids coming through. Um, it's natural. It feels very yeah. natural, doesn't it? It feels yeah. like you. It's got you develop. You develop it. You know, yeah. again, you you look back to, I suppose. Yeah, you, you mentioned kind of football there. Yeah, there's a, a lot of talk about you know kind of when football became overly professionalised that you kind of lost out on those uh, the street footballers you know yeah. people are, and the things that you learn because you've got that extra bit of skill because yeah. you can duck under the bigger kid who's you know trying to shoulder well, you, you into you a garage you find a way don't you you yeah. find a way and you, you you know you find or you have to develop a step because you have to develop yeah. a step because funny enough Pep, I was listening to Pep Guardiola on that he had a five live interview recently and he was talking about that you know that the street football that's mm. where, and if you look at the NBA you look at those guys coming through, and most of them have come from unstructured practice, basically yeah. backyard games, basically playing out with their mates, playing in the garages, having a kick around or whatever you, it would be. The sort of fun yeah. side of that's a big part of it as well, because it's, it's probably yeah. more enjoyable. You know, you're, 100%, you're free, yeah. you're, you well, know, you're having fun. Yeah, you go and watch a, a bad, you know, and it's improving a lot, but you go and watch a bad sort of mini rugby or junior rugby session, you've got to, you know, one drill, and these parents are trying their best, and you've got two cues of like 10 kids on either side, and two kids doing there were three mm. or four kids working at one time, you know, and everybody else is standing, queuing, yeah. waiting for their 10 seconds of a go, and then they stand and queue yeah. for another two minutes, yeah. getting cold, you know. 90% of lost interest, yeah. someone's shaking because they're cold, they're yeah, just yeah. looking around at the sky. It's Yeah, so it's, that's the creativity. So the other place, I mean, South Africa is, I think, they, you know, there's some, some so much talent there. So you look at all the Pacific Islands, there's so much talent yeah. there. They're playing and they're, they're, they're just coming up with something, you know, they're like playing on the beach and coming up with a game. It's the same in South Africa. You know, you see it, and you see it with African, with football, and throughout Africa, and you see it in touch rugby on the beach in, in South Africa. They'll go and play one touch, and you'll you'll go and do that. And the guy's got natural skill; they've got ability. I think too often it gets coached out of them because yeah, they're yeah. trying to implement structure or something like that. You know, or and um, and that's maybe where we go wrong. Yeah. A mate of mine went to school in South Africa, and he said one Saturday they had the, the first team being the A team. He said they went all the way down to L. They feel, they feel <laughs> I was just like, that's, that's, crazy, some ser- that's some serious yeah, yeah, player yeah. talent that they've yeah, got. Well, I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that's incredible, isn't it? <laughs> but um, that coaching, yeah, it's, 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 yeah it's, it's good. I mean, the way the guys have done things and um, evolved, it always is evolving, isn't it? Yeah, But it's pretty simple as, as rules, isn't it? Yeah, it's fascinating to uh, to hear your take yeah. on coaching, and we're going to get uh, yeah some more insight when we look ahead to the remaining uh, Wales fixtures, which we're really really keen to get your take on. But first, it's time for tap and go. 
where we get the quick fire questions over to you yeah, and, uh, and uh, yeah, see what your answers are. So, right, Ben Pegner's tough and go. Hardest player you've played against. And you've listed it, you've listed quite a few out there as well. If you have to say the, the, the one hardest. Yeah. <laughs> hardest. Can you come back to me on that one? Yeah, yeah I can still, come back I'm to still mulling that one. I, I need to. Right. Yeah, but there are a few. There's a couple. Of, oh, actually. <laughs> it's an easy one, actually, now I think about it. There's only one player I've ever been scared of on the field. Um, and that was because it, I, I trained with him. Can I, can I be someone I like was on my team? Yeah, yeah trained, absolutely. Trained against. Yeah, do yeah. It. So like, when I left Caffili, I was going to go and join Bedford. And um, and so um, I didn't want to leave Caffili, but they got promoted mm. and, and it sort of didn't work out. They didn't want me to stay, you know, basically. <laughs> Not to put too fine a point on it. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and so um, I, I, got, I managed to come over here to England to the Premiership and um, initially I, I signed for London Scottish yeah. and um, when we when they were in the Premiership and uh, but I went to Bedford first and because of the connection with Paul Turner who was the head coach there then and uh, Paul Turner had played with uh, Roger Bidgood one of my teammates at Caffelli and he'd put in a word for me and so, so I'd gone through there and I was going to sign and then they had financial problems and didn't sign at the end but that was pretty cool because Suddenly I was training and there's I'm like getting a lift to training with Rory Underwood yeah, and people yeah, like that yeah. and I was just like uh, <laughs> pretty uh, intimidating. But the only guy oh, I've ever been scared of was in, in, in training. I tried to steal a ball, you know, because I was limited what I could do. But one of the things I was quite good at was at the breakdown stealing a ball. And I remember Junior Paramore. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> oh, him, I yeah. do. Yeah, Junior, yeah, yeah. Junior, he'd come from Carlsford from rugby league and he was just. And you know we had guys yeah. like Rudolph Stroudy there and people like that. So we had a lot of big, like, guy. big guys yeah. and like uh, Scott Murray was there, yeah. and Neil Hatley was there, and Roy Winters was there, and we had Alistair Murdoch, a big centre Aussie yeah. guy, was there. Rory was on one wing, like it was a good team. Um, yeah, but I remember Junior just turned around to me and goes, you know, he said, Benny, if you touch that ball again, <laughs> <laughs> and he just like this, just looked at me with this like look. I was just like, okay, I'm just gonna leave. <laughs> That's a great answer. Yeah. yeah, so he was one of the probably the only guy. You know, he's like arms were bigger than my thighs. You know, so uh, it's like, okay. <laughs> on the other hand, who's uh, who's the best tourist? Who's the who's the most fun when you're on uh, when you're on the uh, the away trips? Tourist, tourist. Oh, mm. that was a tough one. I used to enjoy the bus trips in. It's, yeah. it's probably one of the guys in South Africa, to be honest with you. Um, we had we had some real good characters, you know. We had some funny guys. Um, one of them was a guy called Beers Through Beers. You know, there was you know the South Africans. You never use their proper name, yeah. and, and it, it becomes their pro- like Rassi Erasmus. Rassi's not yeah. Rassi's name. Rassi is his nickname because like from Erasmus, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. So his real name is like Johan or Johannes or something like that, you know. Um, so Beers means like beast, like in, in uh, so Beers was a big prop. He's a 125 kilo prop. He played for the Bulls. Or he after he left us at the Leopards, he went to the Bulls and. Um, and then Beers played for Bordeaux and Clermont, I think, for a bit. But he was always funny on the on the bus trips. You know, he was just like always. Again, it was one of those places. You know, I went to a real Afrikaans stronghold, similar to. It's two places I probably enjoyed playing the most were in South Africa with with the Afrikaners and uh, in in Wales. You know, mm. Philly. And the guys were similar. They were just real humble, down to earth guys, and we just accept. You know, once you sort of kept. You know. I kept your head down and you proved yeah. yourself and you earned their respect they, they sort of treated you as one of their own and 
that was a bit like that there. But Beers used to make a thing of just like always chasing me around, <laughs> like I'm gonna get you, Pommy, and then just beep 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 beep, <laughs> you know. And he just like so that was just like your standard thing. And then yeah. then you know be the first one to sort of look after you when on it when it when it kicks off on the again. Field, that's, a you know? that's, a, that's a skill yeah. you can't coach. Yeah, running yeah. running away from 125k yeah, prop. Yeah, you'd yeah, be like, but you know, he was always like you'd always coax him. You know, be like, you, I know you're never gonna catch me, but I'm just gonna stay. <laughs> just it was so funny. Yeah. And uh, what's the what's the strangest thing that anyone said to you on a pitch? Strange, strange, strangest. Maybe not strange, but it did catch me off guard. Was uh, as I was ending and I was trying to trying to carry on playing, you know, and you you, you sort of you're trying to push the boundaries, and you probably should have retired. And um, you know, my hairline's not the greatest, <laughs> so some guy just and I I think I was having a great game. I think I was playing much better than this guy, but he's just turned around to me and. I, He's and he's just gone. Listen, Grandpa, can you like? <laughs> and I've not heard pretty much anything else he said after that. He's called me Grandpa, and I'm thinking, oh, suddenly you have it. You know, you still think you're young, you know. And then I'm thinking, I wonder if he's thinking what I was thinking when I was playing Richie Collins, and he looked yeah. like he was about whatever age, and he was probably only like my age now. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So yeah. amazing. And if you could play in the back row with any two. You don't even need to be colleagues, past or present. Who would be in your dream back row? You've got that. You've got the one shirt. Who's going to be alongside you? Any players from past or past or present? Or well, um, that's a toughie, isn't it? That's a good question, <laughs> well, I went to New Zealand when I was eighteen. I, yeah. I sort of took myself off there because I wanted to be the best I could be at open side, and I always thought the, the Kiwi open sides yeah. were the best ones. So it was just before the game went pro. It went pro when I was down there. So I was playing club rugby, played a bit of sort of age grade um, rep rugby as well, but worked in the forestry and played every week against like another sort of, I was, it was my first senior rugby as well. So I was playing every week against another sort of prof- like a provincial player mm. or, you know, B team player or, or like country player or whatever it would be, you know. So, I, you know, and you'd end up playing against like guys who were, who played for the All Blacks and stuff. So it was always the all black flankers for yeah. me you know so Michael Jones was the guy that yeah. I was sort of I always thought he was just incredible you know so but and then you can't look probably him and you can't look much further than Richie McCorner can you yeah. Like, yeah I mean it wouldn't be very well balanced that would, <laughs> <laughs> there'd be absolutely zero balance to it and I'd probably be watching <laughs> watching those two but uh, adding absolutely nothing yeah what am I saying I wouldn't I would never even know. I'd be uh, surplus to requirements. Yeah, but you're going yeah. to have an easy, you can have an easy Mate, ride with yeah, those two either yeah, side. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what I'd be doing on that field, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then last two, last two to finish, who's the best captain you've played under? Oh, that's a goodie. Um, best captain? People normally quick with their answers on these ones. <laughs> yeah, it, probably, <laughs> it's probably it varies, but it varies. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, that's actually quite easy when I think about it. It's probably Francois Pinot. Yeah. I didn't play much with him. Again, he was, so I went there and when I went to Saracens, so Alan Zonder, uh, he uh, amazing coach, probably the best coach I played under. He um, he was my coach, London Scottish, and then we folded, and uh, we merged in inverted commas. Yeah. And uh, he went to Saracens, and I was fortunate enough to go with him to Saracens. So I got there, and primarily as World Cup cover for Richard Hill, you know, because this was the 99 yeah. season, you know. But the yeah. back row, you know, the team was. Just, I think there were twenty three internationals in the squad. What team? Yeah, yes. yeah. You're like it's you like, the front row was Wallace, Paul Wallace, Roberto Grau, yeah, uh, Robbie Russell, George Shooter, Danny Grucock, Scott Murray. Um, back row, you know, it's Francois Pinar, Tony Diprose, Richard Hill. 
etc etc and you know oh, I'm forgetting in the front row I forgot Flatman and Julian White you know, <laughs> you know like yeah. it, was, it was literally ridiculous you know and then you had Lacroix you had Luger you had Tom Shanklin was my housemate yeah. Ben Johnson was he? yeah yeah <laughs> How is that? Still, we're going to have to, we're gonna have to still, dive yeah. into that one. Because the last, the last question, scarred, the yeah. last question is worst roommate, and it yeah, might, yeah, yeah. and it might, you might have already answered it. There. Yeah, it's still scarred. No, uh, you know, so yeah, best captain easily was Francois Pina, and, and I remember just being in awe of him, you know, because he was a, he was massive as well. He was about eighteen stone at that stage. He was an amazing Nick. He was only thirty-two, and again, you think at the time, wow, he's old. He's only thirty-two, and I remember. You know, every every talk, you're thinking, how can you keep it fresh, and how can you keep you motivating everybody? But you felt special playing underneath him. You felt special in a in a conversation with him. He, it was like I think when you meet different people who mm. are like that in different walks of life. You know, real amazing people who have this aura about them. He he was just like that. How yeah. did he How did he do that? Or was it just something he had? Do, do, you know, do you know what I think? I don't know. I think it's just you're either you're a genuine person and you have mm. empathy. And you and you have high emotional intelligence, you know. So you, you you do care about people, and and if you don't, you they you you can listen to someone, and they feel like you're listening. They they're interested, you know. And so he's asking you questions, and he really does want to know yeah. how your mum and dad are, you know. And you're thinking, wow, why did you know? Or they'll just you know. But I think it's genuine. You can't, yeah. you know. I was fortunate uh, a couple of years ago. I think we spoke about this, Dan. You know, I on my coaching journey, I went to worked with Chelsea for two and a half years in 2007 and I was lucky enough yeah. to spend time watching Mourinho and you know he's got this approach this guided discovery which is again very similar to what, what we see now with Eddie Jones's model with the tactical periodization, and it's pretty similar to the New Zealand model but um, I saw that with Mourinho you know and it was incredible and you can't pretend mm. I don't, you can't fake that he, he, he'd go to like Everton and um, and, and I didn't see this firsthand, but I remember hearing the stories. He'd go to Everton, and he knows the tea lady's name, like he, he, from the year before. He's not he's not faking it. He's just you know that's that's who he is, down yeah. to earth, humble person. hasn't hasn't forgotten his roots. And I, I I did experience it firsthand with him. Just incredible stuff. Where he'd be asking me about my you know, or um, at the time we I, I went with Ghana to Ghana with him and Michael Essien and a few other guys. Yeah, it was surreal. And um, it was a big group of us, but some guys like Paul Clement, who went on to coach yeah, with course, Ancelotti yeah, at Real Madrid, Madrid and all, all these guys, you know, Chris Jones, who's now at Derby with Frank Lampard and all, all these people. And uh, I had a broken hand at the time because I was still trying to play, but sort of semi-pro. And um, I, broken, I, I broke my thumb. I had a Bennett, uh, a Bennett fracture in my Bennett's fracture in my thumb. So I'd had a screw in it and had a cast. And we'd, um, we'd gone, there was this big buffet where we were eating at lunch and I waited for everybody to eat and um, then I went up and I thought I can't you know if I go up with my just my left hand trying to take the, the, the tins or you know the lids off these massive tins of the food and then put them back and then serve myself this uh, you know if I do that in amongst everybody else it's yeah. gonna cause a mess and a delay so I'll wait for everybody to finish so I've waited five minutes everybody sat down and finished and then I'm, I'm trying to serve myself just with my left hand and I I look over my shoulder and I, I feel like I sense somebody there. I look around and it's, it's Mourinho. And he's come up from around, I don't know, 20 metres away. He's seen me and he's come up and he offers to serve me, you know. And he's just like, you, 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 don't, you don't fake that, you know. Yeah. And, and there's, you, there's no cameras there. There's yeah, no PR opportunity. Yeah, he's not doing that for, yeah. that was before pretty much, you know, 
Yeah. You wouldn't expect that. No. Yeah. And so P- Pinot was the same, you know. Francois Pinot was the same. He would, you know, he'd genuinely, oh, Benny, how, how, what did you do last night? How, how okay, how's it? And he'd remember your brother's name. Yeah. He'd be like, oh, how's your, how's your brother? You know, and, oh, or, or, or he'd ask you something. But, you know, and you, you can't fake that. And, but also he was just, I mean, I didn't have long enough with him. I was only there a brief period of time and I'd love to have played on the field with him more. But he was one of those guys, you'd, you'd run through a brick wall if, yeah. if you could. You'd do it for him. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. That's, that's incredible, yeah. Yeah, lucky. Real. Brilliant. Well, ben, one well, well, You're the worst housemate. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I, I just guessed, I guessed <laughs> it was going to be Shane, but go on, go for it. I'll say Shane's here, yeah. just for yeah. the sake of it. No, he was, probably wasn't the worst. He was oh, probably really? the, one of the funniest. Probably, he's probably the funniest, the most laid back. He was one of the hardest trainers, but then, like, always up for a laugh. And I, and like, <laughs> I heard a rumour, and I don't know if this is true, that when he got his 50th cap... For Wales, which is against Italy, like I think it was the year we won the Grand Slam, so 2008, I think it was. Yeah. I heard a rumor that he, for that week, refused to talk to anyone outside of training who had less than 50 caps. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, like when he in those same, those same scenarios where he uh, where it's meal time, he's only speaking to people who've uh, who've got north of 50 caps, which <laughs> I, I hope to God is true because uh, that's, uh, uh, that's okay, pretty much yeah, it's easy to believe, isn't it? With Shanks, yeah, yeah. I love what it, it cracks me up listening to him in uh, flats on their, yeah. their, you know, their podcast and their, their lot of particular VTs. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, they, uh, yeah, God, they're, they're busy men, aren't they? they are, they're busy yeah. men. You can't look, can't look anywhere in the rugby community without seeing a flats and shanks video somewhere. Yeah, doing okay. Yeah, I wanted to take advantage of uh, your coaching expertise and have a quick look ahead to some of Wales's opponents that we got left for the autumn. Sure. And it starts with what we think is a must-win game against Australia. Yeah. And we this were debating this one. on this week's podcast. You know, one year ahead of the Rugby World Cup. Yeah. Playing them in the pools. Yeah. Haven't beaten them for ten years. Yeah. How important? Ten years. That's ten years. Yeah. Thirteen games. That's surprising. Home and away. Been. 10 years yeah. and away yeah anyway yeah. Anyway, yeah. 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 that surprises me yeah yeah because we, we we were saying how it's for us we, it's a must win game going into the World Cup so where was the last victory was that it was Alfie? in Cardiff was that Thomas like intercepted uh, like no it was they, Shane yeah. so Shane scored and Lee Byrne scored okay uh, 2008 um, wow. yeah and at that time we had Nora so any, any of the current Welsh players beaten Wales before uh, uh, who before. would have been in that team Alan Wynn would have been in that team yeah and I think that, possibly that's it, that's is it? That's about it, I think. That's yeah. massive. Yeah, psychologically, that's massive. Well, that's, yeah, that's yeah. exactly what we were going to ask, is that, you know, after the, after the game, you know, after every single one-point defeat to Australia, they always say it's not, a mental, yeah. it's not a mental thing. But that must have some effect on it, mustn't it? Well, I don't know about that. I mean, but I do know that psychologically, especially if they're in the pool, the same pool mm. with them next year, it's a massive one. And it's similar to when England won the World Cup in 2003 and they'd yeah, been yeah. to all these places and they'd, they'd beaten Australia and New Zealand and New Zealand and Wellington and stuff like that. You, as a psychological, it's in hindsight, they're, they're, all those players will say as a psychological yeah. metric, uh, you know, that, that was important for them to say, right, we've ticked that, we can beat them, we've all done it and we've done it in their backyard. I think, uh, yeah, it's massive psychologically. And it's probably it's the best time ever to do it, you, yeah. you'd have to say. Yeah. It's a lot more, you know, settled team. But it makes, it's a bit of a quandary, isn't it? Because 
yeah, Anscom had a good game at the weekend, didn't he? But who do you pick? You know, who do you pick at ten? Then do you do you have give Anscom a run of games now in the in the in the autumn, or do you then bring back him? It's bigger still if he's still your best ten. Do you bring him back at ten, or you know, and, and really go for the win, go for the jugular? I mean, I think I think you go on, you go on form, and you've got to because you've got to see whether Anscom, who's put together a good run of form at the moment. Yeah. Can he handle it in a big pressure environment like that? And it's essentially a dress rehearsal for yeah. for the World Cup. Yeah, no, so I say you go with I say you go yeah. with him, and you have bigger on the bench, so that if you know if it's three points, you're three points up with ten minutes to go. You've got a guy who is yeah. a proven winner and can come on Seattle tighten things game. up. So that that would be my approach. But is yeah. Richardson still? Is he injured or is he available? Uh, he's, he's not in the squad. So yeah, the um, yeah the the flyers in the squad are Anscom. Uh, Patchell's coming back from uh, is coming back from concussion, but he will be available. And then uh, and then Bigger is the third in the squad, so and Evans was in those Jared cover Evans. as well. Yeah. So you got all those guys like those first couple of guys who can play sort of other play- positions as well, yeah. can't they? Then we started ten twelve like with Reese Patchell or like and also with well he, if they had Reese Priestland because like this time last year he was experimenting with him in the centre as yeah. well, wasn't he? You know, and so. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's going to be good. I mean, it's going to be a good game. Yeah, it's because the Wallabies will want. They're in a similar position. Well, this they, is they it. Need to yeah. win. They need to get some momentum, we, and they need to get some. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of guys there who want to put their hands. This up. This is quite a good time to play, but equally, we've been in this position quite a few times over the last ten years where it hasn't been the strongest. I, I know, think as well, Australian Wales side, Wales but, play their best when they have the underdog tag yeah. around them, and almost when they're going expected to win a game, it can be. It can be those, particularly against Southern Hemisphere, that can be where they, they who find Who do you think is the underdog this weekend? I th- I th- honestly, I think Australia would go into this as underdog. Do you think? I do. I, I do. I, you know, I think so, so the, what you just said, then, mm, you mean that... Like, I think Wales go into this Wales game... I think, yeah, I do. Yeah, I think yeah, Wales yeah. go into this game as favourites, given that they're, they've yeah. got six I wins on the spin. That. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see what the we'll see what the bookies say. Yeah, you. I think I agree with you. Yeah, because how many and home advantage as well. The Wallabies, like in the last eleven games. They've, they've had a like, horror. They've had a horror show. Yeah, they won like three or something. I don't know, something it, like that. Yeah. Yeah, but we've we've been here before with them. I just we we. You know, we've had really close games with them. We just can't. We can't seem to get the win. So, how close was the team at the weekend? The starting team that will play against. Or I think it'll be. Clo- I think team. it'll be close. So I, I would say uh, my guess would be Liam Williams will come in for Luke Morgan on the wing, and uh, I think after that, I still think Thomas Francis might come in, and I think you go Rob Evans uh, and Rob Evans come in. So I, I reckon, yeah, two or three. Uh, who, who, what's your bench then? The front row bench. So front row bench. God, we only rec- we only recorded this last night, and I can't remember. So we've got Elliot D hook in, yeah. uh, and then you've got. Would you move uh, Nicky Smith to, on the bench. I'd then? move yeah, Nicky on the bench. bench. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and again, he's a kind of in, you know he's a player who can add that. You get around the park. And, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I'd also put I'd personally put um, Dylan Lewis on the bench for the same yeah, same yeah. reason. He comes on very mobile. Yeah. Uh, offers offers a threat over the top of the ball, but yeah, because part of it we want to win, but we also same second row. Alan Wynn yeah I think so yeah, I think so okay. I mean obviously Alan Wynn picks himself Corey, yeah. and I think Corey's Corey, the man in possession yeah. he's done nothing wrong yeah. and he, again he's one of those players who just keeps every time there's a there's a question mark he sort of steps he up he steps up I just think he's got I haven't amazing seen enough of him but yeah I just he's, keep on hearing I've seen a bit of him he's but a clever he's, player calls the line outs as yeah. well so yeah, Gallon's a big fan of his, isn't he? Yeah. The big one is the second row, ben, second row we have on the, on the bench because we went for Adam Beard but yeah. Jake Ball He's, uh, he's in the he squad. Yeah, a, yeah. He's he has a lot of great quality. Yeah, yeah. Has he still got a beard. Oh yeah, yeah. It's there for the full beard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one bearded worry, don't you? Like, yeah. I get, I, I get the feeling. It's a, it's a, 
a, a kind think of a Samson be... style thing. He'd lose his power <laughs> yeah. if he uh, if he yeah, if he lost his beard. beard. Well, he could afford to. What about the back row though? Do you do you go with the same combo? I d- I think so. Yeah. Um, and again, it would before the autumn. It wouldn't have been my it wouldn't have been my choice because yeah. you know as much as I'm a big fan of Lydia, I kind of thought well yeah he's been playing well for the Ospreys and I would have said that was it. But the yeah. the balance of that as a back row looked so good yeah. with you know it was almost back to it being yeah. 2011 yeah. again. Who, who who were the other contenders that you feel that could be? I think it's diff- I think it's difficult now because a lot of players have picked up injuries at the wrong time. So yeah. Ellis, Ellis Jenkins, I, I expect he's is going to be available. Fit, yeah, yeah, um, he's good, isn't he? and he's uh, he's amazing. He's player, um, yeah. And I think he's I think he's international quality. Yeah. Navidi's picked up an injury at, at the yeah. wrong time because again he's another one of those players who just seems to defy the at the moment. Shingler's yeah. Shingler's out with a long term oh, injury. So, yeah. um, so many back rows. But yeah, Aaron, Aaron so Wainwright, as we've we've mentioned earlier, is uh, is is in the squad and, and rated very highly. Mate, the good thing about Wales is the building depth, yeah. a lot of depth now. I mean, you look at when Felatau comes back and the boys we just mentioned. There's a lot of depth there, isn't there? There yeah. is for yeah. the for the first time in a long time. We've got the best depth yeah. we've had um, it, all over the park, actually. Yeah, yeah. it's it, the, the challenge. I think will be all these teams. When you think, I was thinking about it today. And, watching some of the highlights and, and watching over games again from the weekend. When you think about these teams, you know, the South Africans, the Englands, it's, it's, so England still don't know their best combination mm. of 9 and 10. You know, you think about how far along different teams are down this sort of the journey. I, I was thinking, like, with England, Eddie Jones had to come in and he, he needs to win, doesn't he, to build momentum and take pressure off himself. So he's done yeah. that. And almost now, he still doesn't even know his best combinations, like... 12, not, month, 12 months and a couple of games and there's not yeah. many games left a few games it? from the World Cup you know? there's not whereas Wales are a lot further down the road in that journey yeah we you know, pretty much in, know yeah. within a few players yeah, and what we're going to go with Anscombe's developing maybe as your, your second choice or you know depending on Rhys Patch or, 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 or um, Priestland or whatever mm. as, yeah, as, as a definite squad member you know because he's going to be covering other positions the Australia game for Wales is, is definitely winnable I think you know I think there's a lot of indecision around what you know how how the Wallabies will do things. I think you know they they really need a win as well. Um, you know, Checker really under fire. He came back and they won. You know, in that second half against Argentina a couple of weeks ago. If they hadn't done that, then who knows what would have happened. So they they want to build momentum on this tour, but he's still making changes. You know, he brought Bernard Bernard Foley back in, who'd been out for ages. You know, and but brought him back at ten. So, are there any points do you think that, that Wales can can really target then against Australia? Um, yeah, I, I think they're going to have to make. You know, there's going to be if Falau plays at 13. You know, he's like he's not used to necessarily yeah. world class. One of the best players in the world. You fit him in anyway. You probably fit him in the back row yeah. if you could, wouldn't you? You know, but you, you know he, that will be something that they'd look to exploit probably. Um, I think the back row, the lack of balance in the back row. If you play Hooper and po- Pocock, there's 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 always like, you know, there's not that's not the most balanced back row, is it? Having those those two, you know. How do you how do you feel about because there was a while where it was very on vogue, you know, particularly after the 2015 World Cup. Yeah. How well those two played together that they kind of went, oh yeah, you, you know, you can have twin fetches in a in a yeah. back row. How do you feel about it? You, I think do you can, prefer? I just yeah. don't think I don't th- I think I think, uh, but they've been Pocock has been playing at eight yeah. first of all, so he's not really been, you know, what other line out options do you have? You know that's the one of the key things because you're going to target, you're going to attack somebody's line out. Mm. You know if they play Pocock and Hooper, you, you you know there's limited options and 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 not as good line out options for 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 Australia. Um, I, I like playing a left and right. Like, yeah. You know, or a six ends. You know, I think it can work, but I just don't. I think you have to do it well, and I think both people have to be quite balanced. You know, Pocock is a balanced player, isn't he? He's, he can carry. 
I think Hooper, you know, he doesn't really play like a traditional fetcher, does he? So yeah. he's not. It doesn't feel like he's like a, a genuine, you know, like fe- he's not fetching the ball. You know, he's not like a George Smith or something. You know. Yeah. I want to ask you with with Australia. Do you think we Wales should look at playing it fairly structured or or going unstructured because they. Yeah, uh, it's a good question. Um, I think I think you you want to play it. You want to. They'll 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 they will play it. They'll they'll play that territory. They'll play mm-hmm. that you know, combative physical game. Not wanting to wanting to dominate every collision. Wanting to dominate the gain line. Wanting to get uh, dominate set piece. That will be just obviously that's just a given, isn't it? In any Test rugby now or any match really. But then I think when they do kick, they they you know I think they kicked a bit loosely in the second half at the weekend. Yeah. Um, you know, and they want to if you kick loosely to say Falau and yeah, like yeah. that, and and some of the other boys who might be might be playing then in a broken field situation, it's it's not going to be necessarily what you want to be doing. But I think they will. They won't want to open up completely. They, you know, you won't want to make it really unstructured. But they'll kick cleverly. I think you'll have to. Yeah, I think that's probably a big area of growth for, yeah. for Wales at the moment, isn't it? That's a key, yeah, key part for us. We were a bit disappointed with with a lot. There's a lot of loose cooking from from Wales was now mm. on the weekend, and uh, we need to tighten that up because they got such dangerous strike runners that yeah. we've come unstuck. We got us. We got to tighten that yeah, up. Yeah, I think particularly the box. Yeah, Falau's got a great try the other week, didn't he? And it's just anything that's like offers him a bit of broken field. He's, he's yeah. just, he's but there's other guys. There's like Jordan Pataio who's going to come in and uh, a few probably make his debut on this tour. He's 18, you know, uh, he, from Queensland. Um, you know, guys like that who are, who are threatening as well. You know, so when you look at the other boys, uh, Naivalu and Corabetti, they're all good players. But um, yeah, you don't really want to be kicking the ball loosely <laughs> yeah. to them, yeah. do you? So. So that's it for this bonus episode of the Attacking Scrum. Big thanks to Ben Pegner for joining us. Really enjoyed chatting rugby with him and hope you enjoyed listening to that conversation. Uh, Make sure you don't miss out next week. We'll be back again on Monday to review the Australia game. And yeah, let's uh, let's hope that it's uh, it's an absolute cracker. And God, who knows, maybe we'll finally break that duct and, and get that win. We'll be back to talk rugby with you very, very soon. Podcast Network.